Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and author and an executive coach. And today I am delighted to welcome Zainab Tom to the show. Zainab will talk about how great companies bring dignity, pay, and meaning to everyone's work. Zainab, welcome. I'm delighted to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Caroline. Oh, your book just makes me so grateful that you're putting this very important information out into the world. And you write about good jobs and how important they are in the economy and to the people who are working them as well as the companies. So let's go back to basics. How do you define a good job? Yes. And I'll start with laying out some minimum conditions for a good job. Because in a good job, work needs to make people feel like they're treated like human with respect, not like a pair of hands. And I think we all know what it means to be treated like a human with respect. But in a good job, pay also needs to be high enough so that people can take control over their lives. And sadly, these minimum conditions are missing for so many workers all over the world. And when pay is so low or inconsistent that employees are working multiple jobs, getting very little sleep, stressing about how they're going to pay for their rent, everything else, you know, little perks, belonging programs, pizza parties is just a Band-Aid on a wound. And I want to make sure it, it comes across pay is not the only thing that drives a good job, but its absence guarantees a bad job and drives high turnover. And those of us who make more than enough oftentimes underestimate how important pay is for workers' well-being and ability to focus on the job and for their dignity. Zainab, I'm so glad that you include dignity in this definition. It's so important. And we certainly know that there are millions of people that are working multiple jobs to try to make ends meet, and they can't put together a livelihood. They often don't have health care and retirement and other benefits. So is that all part of a good job, creating a livelihood where you can sustain yourself? Exactly. Exactly. And of course, you know, benefits and career paths to higher paid jobs is, is, is also part of the equation as well. Exactly. Upward mobility. So where do we start? Because there really are millions of people around the world who are not in good jobs, right? Or, or in careers, if we can use that term, perhaps they have multiple jobs. Where does one start? Let's think about it from the perspective of a company hiring people. Where do they begin? Wonderful. I think the first place to start is awareness. Because one of the reasons why we have so many bad jobs out there is that company leaders often underestimate how expensive it is for them to offer their employees low pay and live with high turnover. You know, we work with organizations that have changed their roster, entire roster in a year because they were operating with 100% employee turnover. That type of turnover is common in so many settings from call centers to retail stores to restaurants to fulfillment centers to nursing homes to factories. I can go on and on. And the first place to start is low pay and high turnover hurts companies 
a lot more than they may think. There are direct turnover costs, there are lost sales, there, there's waste, there's low productivity, and it makes it very difficult for companies to be competitive because they don't have a great team that's set up to succeed. You know what I think is also important in that equation? I agree with you 100%. It's exhausting for the staff, for the personnel who are working, and they're trying to pick up for the backfills that have yet to be hired. So it, it also negatively impacts the people who are working in said company. Oh, absolutely. And it impacts frontline managers. We work with companies, Caroline, where unit managers asked to be demoted or they left the company because they couldn't take it anymore. They wow. had burnout issues. They had anxiety problems because they were constantly fighting fires. There were attendance problems. People wouldn't have bus money, so they would miss work. Right? There were all sorts of customer problems, operational problems, and people are burned out in these in environments. It's a mediocre setting for so many, for workers, for customers, and for companies. So intellectually, we get this, we understand it, but so many companies are not making a move to honor solutions. So where do they start, Zainab? It is such a massive problem. There's got to be a systemic approach in how we tackle it. It seems so obvious, doesn't it? I mean, if a company wants to win, what does it take to win? You need to have a great team and that team has to be set up for success. It just seems so obvious. But sadly, decades of management practice has taught leaders that labor is just a cost to production, just another cost. Market pay is the right pay, even if it's not a living wage. And lean and mean is what drives efficiency. So the first place to start is to change our mindsets, right? Mm -hmm. To recognize that people are not just a cost to be minimized. People can be the drivers of value in organizations. And that's a starting point. Another starting point is to recognize that to be able to win with customers, we need a great team. We need a great team to, 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 um, that's set up for succeed. And then the second one is to recognize that it's not just about pay. Right? If we want to be able to create the types of organizations that deliver value for customers and employees and investors, we can't just pay more and hope for the best. Companies also need to create an environment where their employees are productive. They contribute a lot to company success to make the pay investment worthy. Maybe I can provide one example. Please. Uh, Costco, for example, and we all, you know, Costco is all over the world. So your international audience would recognize the name of this company. It's a retail uh, store, but a typical Costco worker makes $26 an hour. That's almost $10 more an hour than a typical retail worker. And Costco offers their customers the lowest prices. How do they do that? Well, they make a set of operational choices to improve the productivity of their employees. If you go to a typical supermarket, you might see 40,000 different products. If you go to Costco, you're going to see 4,000 products. What does that mean? That means that now Costco's employees are faster in their jobs. They're more knowledgeable about the products. They can provide better service to their customers and their work is more worthy. And that's why Costco can pay them more. Zainab, that's so logical. That's so smart. Good for Costco. Why is it that so many other organizations are slow to adopt this very smart mindset? 
Yeah, I think so many organizations are financially driven versus customer driven, right? They're thinking about how to maximize financial, um, my sales, my profits, as opposed to companies like Costco, Four Seasons, Toyota, Quick Trip. I can go on and on about different progressive insurance that are customer centric. They think about how do I create more value for my customers? And that difference between customer centricity and financial centricity makes all the difference in the world. So, so to be able to get to, you know, to, 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 to this type of uh, outcome, we need companies to become more customer centered. And once you're customer centered, then it's obvious to be frontline centered. It's obvious to want to have a great team that's set up to succeed. And another reason is that, you know, we train leaders to make decisions in their silos, um, not think about a system, right? Good job strategy that I wrote about in my first book, 2014, and the case for good jobs is the why and how of the good job strategy, but it requires a systems view. It's not just HR, it's not just operations, it's not just logistics. Everybody who touches the work of the front lines need to be involved. And so many organizations work in silos versus in systems. You know, you and I were chatting before the show about how the system implementation is not as risky as some organizations think. So say more about that. Yes. During the last couple of years, several organizations, Caroline, adopted this good job system and they had huge success in terms of reducing their employee turnover, improving their productivity, reducing their costs and winning with their customers through higher customer satisfaction, higher sales and What I've learned from these companies is that making system change, if you can prioritize this change, and if you're smart about where to start, is not as risky. These companies all started, the successful ones all started in a similar way. They invested in their employees with higher pay, with clearer career paths, with higher expectations, and they combined that investment with subtraction. So they subtracted all those unnecessary things that took their employees' time or that didn't drive value for their customers. And the combination of this subtraction and investment enabled them to get on a virtuous cycle of higher pay, lower turnover, higher performance, which created momentum for so many other changes to happen as well. I'm so grateful that you're using the word investment because it's not just a financial investment. It's an investment in people and their livelihoods and the benefits benefit the company and the personnel. It it makes such sense. Zainab, we'll be right back after a quick break. I'd like to tell you about a special offer. If you want to bring your podcast to life or up your podcast game, you can get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn using my special code CDHWORK. The Libsyn team will get your podcast on Apple and Spotify and give you access to critical stats and all the support you need to sound your best and grow your show. Use my special code CDHWORK. Hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who will work within your budget and engage your audience. 
Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create a healthy workplace culture, or prevent burnout in your organization, I can create customized content to help you recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. Connect with me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. Zainab, we saw after, well, during and after the pandemic, many workers quit their service jobs in droves and organizations have not been able to woo them back to work. So what's the solution here, especially in the frontline service industry? In the frontline service industries, I would encourage companies to do an assessment of their pay and compare the full-time take-home pay of their employees and see what percentage of them are making a living wage. If they fall behind on living wage, you have to raise pay to be able to reduce turnover. Now, pay alone is not going to reduce turnover, but again, the absence of sufficient pay will guarantee turnover. So that will be a great way to start and and, um, observe the work that frontline employees do understand what is getting in the way of them to be able to create value for their customers. One of the problems that I have seen is that um, people in the home office headquarters are so removed from the work in the front lines, and there's a huge disconnect between what they think is happening versus what actually is happening. So spend time with your workers, observe them, shadow them, see what gets in the way of them creating value for their customers, see what makes their life more difficult and attack those things. Don't just go out and send surveys, Um, really talk and observe and shadow. I love that because I agree wholeheartedly. There is a disconnect between the executives who are earning a very high salary and the workers. And often they just don't understand what's happening in the trenches. So you mentioned some techniques of listening and and job shadowing. What are some of the characteristics, Zainab, of leaders who have adopted and are now uh, enjoying the good job system? Yes. And I'll I'll give you one quite quick anecdote, Caroline, just to highlight the disconnects. One company that we work with where their workers were making a minimum wage, many single parents and and more women in this particular setting, um, having multiple jobs, not being able to sleep, having constant stress. And the executives were trying to figure out how do we reduce turnover? And they thought about benefits. Of course, benefits could be great, especially health benefits um, that are affordable. One of the benefits that they considered was to provide discounts on ski lift tickets. Now, if they spent any time with their workers, (laughs) if they've understood their work and what's going on in their lives, they would have never thought about a benefit like that. Right. So exactly. So the next question that you had was, what are the functions of these leaders? Um, I think one of them is their desire to win. Their desire, they don't want to run mediocre companies. They want to run great companies that win with their customers. So they are customer centric. And then the other thing about these leaders is that they have faith in their frontline workers because many of them have worked in the front lines before. 
for example, John Ferner, who adopted the good job strategy um, when he was the CEO of Sam's Club, which is at the time was a $60 billion retailer, he could have faith in workers and make a bet on them and huge bets. They raise pay five to $7 an hour from a basis of $15 an hour. So we're talking about real money here, but he knew deep inside that this would work out, even though people were telling him, don't do that. It didn't, raising pay didn't work before. He knew it would work out because he had spent time in the front lines. His first job was working in the front lines at Walmart. His father worked at Walmart. So he could trust the workers. He could trust that if we make a bet on them, they will do everything possible to make it worthy for us. Wow. You know, I hear from some organizations, especially smaller organizations, that raising pay just isn't feasible. And and I wonder, is that the truth or is that fear talking? And I look to you to help create a solution for those smaller organizations as well. I'm so happy you're asking me this question. One of my favorite examples of good job strategy adoption is the owner of two small restaurants, Mo's Original Barbecue. During COVID, they lost a lot of customers. During COVID, it became very difficult for them to hire workers, retain their workers. And the owner of this restaurant realized that for them to survive, for them to grow, they had to provide a compelling reason for their customers to come back. And that compelling reason could not be without consistent food, good food, good service. And they couldn't provide that consistent good service and great food if they couldn't execute. And they couldn't execute if they didn't have great people. So this company, a small business, ended up raising pay raising expectations, simplifying their menu, and doing all the other things that we talk about as as part of the good job strategy. And now the owner of that restaurant, the other day he came to my book party and he said, now I have a why. And he said, the other day, one of my employees came and said, this is the first time in my life that I was able to buy something for my children. That's not from Goodwill. And That is so meaningful for a leader like him and for small businesses like his. It also makes a huge difference in their lives because this owner was spending, you know, 50, 60 hours a week working. And now his life is so much better. Oh, Zainab, that is a great, great example. Thank you for sharing that story. And it brings me back to what you shared earlier, the simplification method, right, of of condensing the menu, in this case for the small restaurant, focusing on quality, but changing the quantity. It's kind of like the Costco method, right? Less can be more because there's more focus. And it really, in the end, empowers the customer, the consumer. Exactly. So one of the four choices of the good job strategy is focus and simplify. And of course, focus and simplify means different things to different people, different organizations. It depends on how they want to win, what what their value is for the customers. But for all your listeners out there, if they start asking them this basic question, why do we stand in the eyes of our customers? What are some of the things that we do right now that don't add value to the customer? What can we subtract? What makes the 
work of frontline is more difficult. So what are some of the things that we can subtract, we can reduce, we can, we can simplify so that we can afford to invest more in our employees and we make their work better so that they shine in front of the customers every day instead of fail in front of the customers every oh, day. I love it. it. It makes such great sense. Zainab, my last question for you as we, we draw this episode to a close, there is no doubt that automation and artificial intelligence are in the headlines right now. And the fear for the human worker is that their job will go away and technology will take over. So how does that overlay with the good job system? Yes, look, I'm from MIT, so I will only say positive things about technology. But I will say that technology doesn't just happen to us. It depends on how we use technology. So if an organization sees labor as just another cost to be minimized, the way that they think about automation and technology is we're just going to reduce costs, substitute labor with technology, and they will end up creating more work in the front lines. They'll end up creating worse service for their customers. The good way that companies that adopted the good job system use technology was to ask the question, how do we use the technology to improve customer service and to drive productivity for our front lines so that we make their job better and we and, and higher productivity enables us to invest in them more. So Sam's Club, used a ton of technology to simplify work. Previously in their stores, it would take half an hour for somebody to buy a tire because the frontline associate had to go through so much paperwork, so many tedious manuals to figure out what tire fit their car. Now that's done by technology within just a few minutes. What does that mean? That means that now the associate can re-drive service for the customer, can be an advocate for the customer. What does that also mean? It means that now that associate is more productive, so Sam's Club can raise their, their, their hourly pay and invest more in them. So it's not whether we use technology or not, it's how we use technology that determines um, the, the, the impact on, on, on employees, on companies and their customers. And it's good technology is very consistent with the good job strategy. Oh, I love that. Thank you for that. Because I think we need to bust the myth that AI and wonderful technology will replace humans. I think it can augment what we do in this case of the Sam's Club example. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you shared that. Zainab, I have learned so much from you today and I am a champion for you. Your amazing book is called The Case for Good Jobs, How Great Companies Bring Dignity, Pay and Meaning to everyone's work. And of course, it is available on Amazon and all major book retailers. And I'm so grateful that you also applaud our independent bookstores and you're recommending that bookshop.org be another place where people can buy your book. But Zainab, please tell us, how can this global audience connect with you after the show? I started a nonprofit called Good Jobs Institute and our goodjobsinstitute.org website has a lot of information, including how to get in touch with us. And I recommend uh, your audience to just take a look at our website. Zainab, what a joy to be with you today. Thank you for your incredible work. I'm grateful for you and I wish you continued success. I'm grateful for you, Caroline. Thank you for having me on the show. 
Thank you. Your Working Life is now available on all major podcast platforms, and I would like to hear from you, so let me know how we're doing. You can find me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. And a special shout-out to my extraordinary podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. We now have listeners in 16 countries around the world. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.